This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have you all with us here on this Tuesday afternoon. Got a big show coming up for you today. We'll be joined here in about 12 minutes by one of the voices of the Atlanta Braves. One of the smoothest voices on these here airwaves. Uh, we got to do a top 10 smooth voices on our radio station because this guy, you hear him every night mm-hmm. on the Braves broadcast, Ben Ingram. Right. Going to join us. You can't even say his name dude. This without is... sounding cool. Ben Come Ingram. On, man. All right. I, I am I am with you. Like, I, I agree. But I always say, like, I didn't even have to think about, huh, I wonder who it is. Because, and if we did that list, I, I already know who would be at the top for you. Because, like, dude, you you love you some some Ben Ingram, and yeah. I'm not trying to argue. Like he's he's a fantastic you know analyst and a fantastic radio personality, follower of Careful. the Braves, of course. But like, I mean, it, you, I'm just saying you can't get yourself enough Ben Ingram. So I'm I'm very uh, very interested and looking forward to uh, seeing what you guys have to talk about and say. So, yeah, a lot of moves made by the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> Yesterday, they lock up Austin Riley uh, to a long-term deal. Also, some other moves being made today. Some smaller additions and some subtractions as well. You do uh, send away the guy who got you the last out of the World Series. As much as Braves fans love to hate him, because he had some loud outs. <laughs> last year's closer, Will Smith, has been dealt. So, we'll dive into all of those trades coming up with Ben Ingram. But I do want to do a top ten, like, eventually of like just the best voices on our station on like, on our station yeah like that like you hear throughout the week on our station interesting okay like dark horse put bj up there pretty high bj's pretty solid yeah bj it's it's not like your that's the crazy thing is people hear like and think about radio voices and they all get this picture in their mind of what it needs to be some of the best radio voices aren't these like pristine. Let's be real, aren't these like pristine Mark Douglasy voices, right? I'm not saying Mark Douglas would be up there too. Yeah, obviously he's our production guy. He's he's the voice that you hear on sure. on a lot of things. But some some differences are are good, you know. Some something that's not kind of doesn't fit that mold perfectly. I feel like is very good. I would put BJ in that category. Dark horse, I say. Very dark solid horse. horse. But uh, odds-on favorite, Ben Ingram. And you'll hear why coming up here at 2.15, breaking down all the Braves uh, moves. But PJ, I teased this yesterday. as something I wanted to talk about yesterday, but never uh, got a chance to get around to it because we are talking about Georgia Southern. They're kicking off their practices today. We went around, talked to Georgia Tech. We spent a lot of time just being not very nice to Georgia Tech. I think we were being very honest and about think, Georgia and I Tech. Think that's, that's it. Fair. <laughs> but I was talking about. I wanted to talk about a position group. I think that's kind of flying under the radar at Georgia right now. So we are Musa Smith days away from kicking off the season for the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. We are 32 days away. There you go. I want to do another top. Like we can do five list of players with like the best like stadium chanting your name. Because SEC fans will remember when Musa Smith was there, it was Musa every yeah. time he touched it. Even if it was like a seven-yard loss. Those are those are always like really great, though. 
like uh, especially the the elongated like one name. Oh thing. yeah, it's it's fantastic. But anyway, we're thir- we're Moose and Smith <clears throat> days away from September third when Georgia kicks off against Oregon, and you know what the main storylines are. Stetson Bennett's back. He's been the number one guy for the first time in his career throughout the offseason. Saw towards the end of last year, he really was on an upward trajectory that culminated uh, with the throw to A.D. Mitchell and then the touchdown to Brock Bowers that won you the national championship. I know Keely Ringo sealed it, but what won you the national championship was Stetson Bennett's arm, mm-hmm. right? That ascension from about the midpoint of the season to where he really started cooking down the stretch – now he has a full offseason of being the guy, working with the offense. Todd Munkin getting to drop an offense around him. So I think that's probably the biggest storyline coming into this year is how good can Stetson Bennett in this offense be because they need – I think they're going to need to be early to let a young but really talented defense catch up. Right. right? The first time Georgia allowed more than what? 13 points was against Tennessee. Yeah. Where they gave up 17. Right. Only gave up more than 18 once, and it was to Alabama in the SEC championship game. So I think there's probably going to be a couple of games early in the season where, I guess, against good teams where you have to score some points to win the football game. Right? Sure. Eventually, I think this defense will be elite and probably top three defense in the country, but you're going to have to win some games of your offense. So I think that's the biggest storyline. Other biggest storylines, obviously. The defense who replaces all that talent that you lost to the NFL. But one group in particular I don't think is being talked about enough is the wide receiver group. Because I think it is a battle between a lot of really talented guys for a lot of really limited reps. Last year against Clemson, we saw a lot of four wide receiver sets from Georgia. And you had a lot of injuries at that wide receiver position. So guys like Jalen Johnson, Justin Robinson were taking a lot of snaps. Guys you didn't hear from for the rest of the year. And this is before, I know Ladd McConkie played in that Clemson game, but this is before the Ladd McConkies had really started taking over, before the A.D. Mitchells stepped up and became who they were. Kyrus Jackson was dealing with a little bit of injury early in the year, but eventually he came back. It was taken over. Dominic Blaylock looks like a guy who missed last year who's going to be a significant contributor to this team. So, Wide receiver, I think, is a position group to watch because if they can be as good as I think they can be, this offense is going to be really dynamic. right? We all know about the tight end group. True. Best tight end group in the country. You have the best tight end in the country in Brock Bowers. You might have the second best, depending on if you can get back to form, and Eric Gilbert. And then you have a freak of a weapon with Darnell Washington. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have all those guys, and Todd Munkin's going to have to find a creative way to use them, but you're not going to run out there like Wisconsin. Right. Right? Yeah. Four tight end sets, running back, and just handing the football off and running a lot of crossing and mesh routes. No, you're, you're going to be in the shotgun. You're going to have a couple wide receivers on the field. I'm just curious who it's going to be. Because yeah. if I had to say who the best wide receivers on your team right now are, probably A.D. Mitchell and then Lad McConkie. Right. If you want to talk about yep. best all-around wide receivers. Just pure talent. Yeah. yeah. If you want to talk about who the most solid receivers are, if you had to go with three, four wide receivers, Kyrus Jackson, I'm certainly put him up there. I'd love to see Dominic Blaylock right. get back, but we don't know. And then you have the the kind of wild cards, yeah. right, where you have the home run hitters like an Arian Smith, mm-hmm. where it's been flashes that he's unbelievable. We just can't stay on the field. Right. So that, to me, is kind of one of those, what is this group going to end up 
shaking out as because what we saw at the beginning of last year is completely different than what took the field in the national championship. Yeah. Yeah. So true is it, it it's going to be interesting to see just kind of how it how it forms out, right? Because like you said, you you start out the season with some games uh that that you need that score. Oregon is not a pushover. I know a lot no, of people are yeah. sitting there thinking that they're a top 10 team. Mhm. Yeah, even with the I mean, think about it, right? Even with the disappointment of last year for Oregon, it was really one team that yeah. that was just had their number, and, and they didn't. And they didn't fire their coach because the team was bad. Their coach took another job. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And they went and took so, your defensive coordinator. Right, for sure. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's not a pushover. You're gonna have to score some points there. So, uh, who uh, I, I believe we'll see, especially in in those early games, probably a a commitment to those guys that we saw. Yeah, yeah. It, it, later in the year making those big plays, but who fills out? The rest of that, who when, when they get a when they get a breather after a big yeah. play, who comes on I, and doesn't, you know, drop off, right? I think Georgia is incredibly deep at that wide receiver position, and you're not a team that's going to be running four and five wide receivers out there. So it's going to be interesting to me yeah. to see who the battle is and how it shakes out as for sure. who's who are the ones for this team. We got to take a quick break. We're going to come back as we mentioned. Ben Ingram, voice of the Atlanta Braves, joining us next right here on ESPN Radio. Welcome back into second down right here on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel, glad to have you hanging out with us here on this Tuesday afternoon. The Braves back after an or an off day yesterday, three and a half games behind the New York Mets, but just because it was an off day yesterday doesn't mean the Braves were not busy. Alex Anthopoulos with a ton of deals yesterday to break it down. A guy that you hear on this station almost nightly. One of the voices of the Atlanta Braves, Ben Ingram, kind enough to take some time with us. Ben, I appreciate it, man. I know a busy part of the schedule for you guys. Thanks for hopping on with us. You got it, Christian. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. First question, though, and I know there's a lot of player deals we have to get to, and it's exciting times uh, seeing the Atlanta Braves spend as much money uh, as they are right now. But, man, I got to ask. I I saw that ring that you guys were presented. How many times have you, alone in your house, just put it on and walked around with it? It's probably happened more times than I'm willing to admit, to be quite honest. There have been times where you'll just raise open the box just to look at it. Uh, there have been a few times I've put it on just to, to feel the weight of it all. It, it, you definitely never forget that it's on once you put it on your hand because it is so heavy. But I've worn it outside the house probably five or six times, and I've definitely put it on. Just kind of walked around with it a handful of times for sure. I mean, I, I don't know if I would ever take it off. But as I mentioned, going for another one, right, you got to add a uh, second ring to that hand. The Atlanta Braves making some moves over the past couple of days. Let's start uh, with the Austin Riley news. A guy who we were talking about this yesterday. Beginning of last season, the Braves didn't know who their third baseman was, right? That might have been the biggest storyline going into the year. It's like, yeah, Austin Riley's good. He came up. He was hitting all these home runs, but he couldn't hit a curveball. And then as the year progressed, the dude turned into a legit MVP candidate. And in my mind, at least right now, probably should be top of the list in the NL. So just over the past couple of years, how cool has it been to see him develop and now get his paycheck? It it really is a great transition to watch him go from where he was a couple of years ago to where he is now. I felt like last year that he deserved more attention for the MVP running in the National League last season. I believe he finished seventh. For my money, he was a top five player in the National League last year. Right now, he looks like the best player in the National League. I go back to when we were at spring training a few years ago, and the the question was, who's your third baseman, Riley or Camargo? And I didn't understand the conversation. 
Uh, not to take anything away from Johan Camargo, I just felt like Austin Riley had significantly higher upside uh, defensively and offensively. That's proven to be true. And it goes to show you that when a player gets to the big leagues, he is far from a finished product. I mean, we, we expect these studs to get to the big leagues at 21, 22, 23 years old and just blow our doors off. Well, the big leagues aren't that easy. It's not easy to just come here and be a star. It takes time. Uh, and, and we've seen his talent continue to grow, get better and better. I thought he could be a 260, 265 hitter with 30 home runs. Well, now he's turning into a guy who can hit 40 to 50 home runs and go hit 300. That's amazing. And that just shows you how hard he's been willing to work. It shows you how hard that um, he's pushed the the, uh, the limits of his talent and how, how much he's gotten after it. I think it's been great to watch. And defensively, he's been terrific as well. I think he was a little bit shaky defensively at one point. But uh, uh, credit to Ron Washington for all the work that he's done with Austin. And it's turned him into a complete player. And he's the kind of guy that you want as your franchise player for a long time. And the Braves made sure of that with the uh, the contract yesterday. So I guess just a couple more guys that fans are out there looking and saying, okay, when is this deal going to get done? Uh, Dansby Swanson, obviously, and Max Freed. Where do you think the team stands with those two guys? I'm sure they're having conversations. And I've, I've told this to some other people who've asked me similar questions. Just because they got the deal done with Austin doesn't mean that they've been neglecting Dansby and Max. I, I think that Alex is constantly communicating with the representation for these players. He knows the business side of things. He knows what he can work with monetarily, and he knows uh, when things need to get done. I would expect that he has been in contact and communicating regularly with the representation for both of those guys. I think we could all be safe in saying that it would be a great deal to have both of them here long term. And, and what that's worth to the Braves, I'm not sure. We'll have to wait and see. Um, what those players think they're worth, we'll have to wait and see there as well. But I think that both players would like to stay at Atlanta, and I think Atlanta would like to have them stay here. Now, a, a year ago, I said the same thing about Freddie Freeman. I didn't think that uh, the water's going to be so polluted by his representation the way that they were. That's the business side of things, and it didn't work out. But that's a very rare set of circumstances, and I feel like between now and uh, by the time these guys get too deep into free agency, they'll have offers from the Braves. I don't think both of them want to be here at Atlanta for a while. Now, some other moves being made by the Atlanta Braves, uh, hopefully ones that are as impactful uh, as last year at the All-Star break. But first off, Will Smith getting dealt uh, to the Houston Astros for Jake Odorizzi, a right-handed pitcher. Before we talk about what the Braves got, I know he's a guy who caught a lot of flack during his time with the Braves because, yeah, he had a lot of loud outs, but when it comes down to it, Will Smith, the guy who got the final out in the World Series. So what do you believe his legacy should be as an Atlanta Brave? I think it'll be exactly that, Christian. I think you'll look back on his time in Atlanta and over time, that will shine through more so than the difficulty that he, may have, that he may have had in the bullpen, closing games, things like that. You did something that you've not done in a very long time. You won your first World Series since 1995, and he got the final out. And, oh, by the way, he had 11 scoreless innings in the postseason. Uh, that was tremendous. I mean, the, the Will Smith that the Braves got for that month is what they're hoping to get, but here's the thing. They got it at the right time, and I think that was the most important thing. So that's what I think people look back on and see. Uh, I think that it was probably advantageous for both sides to part ways. I think Will probably needed a new start somewhere else, and I know he wasn't here all that long, but he just, for whatever reason, was not able to get out. He was not able to hold leads, and, and the Braves just felt like they needed to move on from him because I think of the emergence of Dylan Lee more than anything. They had another left-hander who was able to get out where you could be where you could be using Will Smith. 
Uh, we've seen Dylan use in seventh and eighth inning situations just like they would have used Will. So I, I think that's uh, the biggest reason for that move, and the Braves desperately needed to pad their rotation. You do that with Jake Odorizzi. Um, if somebody needs to be used out of a bullpen later in the season or in the postseason, you've got some options. And here we are just four hours shy of the trade deadline, about three and a half hours shy of the trade deadline, and I wouldn't be shocked if something else happened along the way. So um, be that a bullpen arm or – um, maybe even another starter. I'm not completely sure, but I think that was a big first step yesterday in getting Jake Odorizzi in that deal for Will Smith. How do you see Adrianza and Grossman fitting in uh, with this team going forward? Uh, Ada is a guy that we saw last year used in multiple situations on the infield. I think that um, you would feel really good putting him anywhere in the infield, and the Braves needed some backup infielders. They needed somebody who could come off the bench late and run, uh, a, a defensive substitution late in the game, if you will. Ada can also play a little bit of left field if you asked him to. Um, so he can do lots of different things. I think he brings value in terms of depth. And, and as far as Grossman goes, it, it's very similar from with, with how we spoke about Adam Duvall. From the standpoint of he could be good against lefties. Um, if you need a right-handed bat in a situation versus a lefty, he can be your guy. And I think they could platoon – uh, Grossman and Rosario the rest of the season. And, and if they can't add another outfielder, at least you feel like you're okay because you added another one in, in Grossman. Now you got a two-game set coming up with the Phillies in Atlanta there, but then the big one coming up at the end of this week, uh, going into the weekend, five games in New York. I mean, not to be hyperbolic, but could the NL East be decided this weekend? Yeah, I think it definitely could. I mean, I don't want to put too much into one series, but you're going to see these guys nine times over the course of August. Um, we'll see the Mets again three games here in Atlanta at the very end of September. Uh, but by then, you, you want to have the work done. And I think getting these opportunities head-to-head versus New York in the month of August are going to be enormous. Um, we'll see the Phillies tonight. But when you're talking about five games in four days in New York next week, uh, you don't want to be looking back on that and saying you missed an opportunity. You need to go up there and take at least two ball games, maybe even three, and then you have them coming to Atlanta towards the end of the month. So um, I don't want to say that if you miss your opportunity in August that you're out of chances once you get to September, but these are huge ball games coming up here in the month of August versus the Mets. Catching up with Ben Ingram here. You'll hear him tonight on the call of the Braves and the Phillies. Spencer Strider going for the Braves tonight. I know Braves fans excited when you see the contracts being doled out uh, to some of the guys on the team, you have your first baseman, third baseman, center field, or, well, I guess right field now, but a, a bunch of guys locked up for a long time, second base locked up for a long time, and it seems now the Braves have an ownership group that is willing to break off and spend money on some of these great players. I know I saw Mark Bowman uh, of MLB.com say he wouldn't be surprised if the Braves had a top five payroll uh, very, very soon. With Liberty Media, uh, for fans that don't know, they own the Atlanta Braves and F1 willing to, I guess, break the bank and go out there and spend money on a payroll. How, how exciting are these next few years going to be for Braves country? Well, it's really exciting. I mean, you, you want those guys here for a while, and I think the biggest reason they're able to do that is what the fans have done here at the ballpark. The fan support has been amazing. This team has been top three in attendance all season long. They weren't too far off the lead last year uh, in Major League Baseball. So we're seeing sellouts virtually every single night. I think we've played 50-some-odd ball games and had about 30 sellouts. So uh, well over half the games have been sellouts, and it's good to see that kind of revenue, uh, not just inside the stadium but in the battery as well, and that being pumped into the, the payroll of the ball club. 
up and ensuring the team is going to be good for a while. Nobody wants to go through what the Nationals are going through right now. They won the World Series three years ago, and now they're in a complete rebuild with this, with the uh, trade of Juan Soto today. Um, they, just a few years ago, they had Trey Turner and Bryce Harper and Max Scherzer, and uh, they had big contracts for Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, and others. Now their roster is basically depleted. And there's a big reason for that. I think the biggest reason is they picked the wrong guys to give contracts to. But either way, no one wants to be in that situation. And given that the Braves have been able to use that money that they've created with the revenue that they've had here at the ballpark and put into Austin Riley and put into Ronald Acuna and Ozzie Albies and others, Matt Olson, um, you'd hope that they can do that for Dansby Swanson, Max Freed, and, and eventually keep this core here for a while because the longer you have a, a talented core, especially when we're talking about guys in their mid to late 20s, ensuring that they'll be here for six, seven, eight years. You're ensuring that you're going to be competitive and in the postseason for a long time, and it pays to be a winner. When you're winning ball games, when you're getting into the postseason, when you're going deep into the postseason, you're making tons and tons of money, and they want to keep that stream flowing. Ben Ingram of the Braves Radio Network, kind enough to take some time with us. Ben, when we're, we're talking on Monday, Braves going to be in first place? Oh, man, let's roll the dice and just go say, yeah, why not be optimistic? Let's go for it. We, we love it. Ben, I appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. If you want to hear some more of them, Tonight, 721st pitch for the Atlanta Braves as they take on the Philadelphia Phillies. Ben, thank you so much. You got it, Christian. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, exciting times uh, for the Atlanta Braves. Three and a half games back of the New York Mets. Got a five-game set coming up in New York this weekend. Three and out, going to have you completely covered up on that. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more right here on ESPN Radio. Appreciate Ben Ingram for taking some time to hop on with us here on second down, breaking down the Braves moves. Uh, of course, the news of the day, Juan Soto headed out to the San Diego Padres in a blockbuster trade that sent a whole lot of prospects back to the Washington Nationals. Three and out coming up next. They will dive into that. Ton of news around Major League Baseball, of course, with the trade deadline rapidly approaching this afternoon. But we got to get back because, as I said, we are, PJ, 32 days away from the first full Saturday of college football. I know I keep saying that, but we're 25 days away from a big game. Huge game, even. Let them know. Go go ahead, let them know who it is. Huge game. What's that? Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Let's go. It's huge for Hawaii, for 10:30 sure. 10.30 p.m. Oh, yeah. That's, Get after it. That's 4.30 Hawaii time. Now That's that some I, good math, PJ. Now, now, now that I know. Also, uh, that week we have <laughs> Nebraska Northwestern. Really? That same week? Hell yeah. The, the weekend? Oh yeah, Saturday, August 27th. Wow. Nebraska Northwestern kicking things off. Actually, your first college football game of the year. Austin P versus Western Kentucky. Okay. All the, right. All right. Austin P. I, like I, I think the governors. Uh, Austin P. I have no idea. And what, Western with, Kentucky is the for, hilltoppers. Sure, for sure the Hilltoppers, though. Like, if you ever forget that, you're probably not a college sports fan. Because the I Hilltoppers mean, are great. We out here Hilltopping. Got We're, Wyoming, Illinois that week. Topping all them hills. Florida A&M, North Carolina. Uh, I mean, listen, Duquesne taking on Florida State. No, we're not talking basketball. Mm-mm. Get that out of here. I think that one's a bigger game than people give it credit for. Not because oh, I think no. Florida State is going to lose to Duquesne. Yeah even though they lost to Jacksonville State last year. They did. So you got to be careful picking Florida State against FCS teams, but it gives them a <clears> week <throat> ahead of LSU in the Superdome. That's true. You, you at least get a little bit under your belt. 
I think a lot of people think LSU is going to roll season. Florida State in that game. I don't think that's going to happen. I think LSU probably wins that game, but I don't think they're going to roll them. Yeah, I, I I would agree there because Florida State has been. We all know where they've been the past four or five years, and and I completely understand that. I'm not saying they're going to come out here and be ten and two this year, but but I. Do feel They're like, the governors. Thank you very much. Okay, anyway, also you. be governors. Let's man, go. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think Florida State do, does come back to the norm a little bit. They do progress a little bit. And I, I bring this up all the time, especially with football. Like, I think LSU is going to be good. I, re, I, think, I, think, I think LSU is going to be better than, than a lot of people think. But do not mistake and, you know, think down upon the importance of, of chemistry, especially in college football, and I, I'd argue college basketball as well, but especially in college football. And LSU has a ton of new players, a ton of new guys transferring in and who are going to be big factors on this team. And I know, sure, everyone off the top of their dome is like, well, Michigan State did it last year. Look how far they went. Yeah, They're the outlier, man. Like To me, they're the outlier of just bringing in all these people and it all clicks right off the bat. That doesn't always happen. So I think you got a really good point there of you can look down and a lot like Notre Dame, Florida State last year, people can look down at the fourth quarter and be like, hold on a minute. This is a one-score game? What's going on? Is, is Brian Kelly, like, is he not using his normal voice to shout out commands? Like, <laughs> what, what, is, what is happening? Look, and Brian Kelly's teams will struggle early in the year. We saw Notre sure. Dame almost lose to Florida State. Last year, early in the season, down in Doe Campbell. And listen, you're coming in, don't really know yet who the quarterback's going to be for LSU. They got some options. They have some good football players there. But none of them are, I'd say, outstanding in that quarterback room. And again, running backs, John Emery should be okay uh, for LSU. Don't know what the offensive line's really going to look like. They have some ball players uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But I don't think it's anything where you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to run Florida State. Right. And Mike Norvell's kind of got a quiet confidence to him this offseason, so I'm excited about that, but Florida State's one of those teams to me where this could be a bounce-back year for them. Yep. Right? There's a few teams like that where I think of a Nebraska. Scott Frost said a couple weeks ago, he's like, man, listen, we lost so many one-score games last year. Yeah. He's not wrong. He's, he's not. He's not wrong. They were right there. Another team like that to me, South Carolina. Yeah. they were. Imagine if South Carolina had a quarterback last year. Yeah, that, like that no been, offense to Luke Doty, <laughs> for sure. But imagine if they had a quarterback last year; they're yeah. winning some football games. Uh, and this year, I think agreed. their schedule sets up pretty interesting because you start the year uh, with Georgia State, and Georgia State's a good Sun Belt team. South Carolina should handle them. Yeah, and it gives Spencer Rattler a good opponent to go out there and see some quality depth against, and, and have to actually make some plays because the very next week they head to Arkansas. Any other week South Carolina heading to Arkansas I'm like Arkansas by 10 somewhere in there but do you know who Arkansas plays immediately after South Carolina uh, I mean Alabama at home dang yeah that's so one South of those Carolina we, we, we might talked about be, a little yeah, while ago South Carolina might be able to catch them looking ahead and if Spencer Rattler can go in there and do something silly then you're looking at a really solid 2-0 start and after that of course you welcome Georgia to town it's a noon kick. Weird things happen with Georgia-South Carolina at noon. But, I mean, after that, so say, like, best-case scenario, you come out of that 2-1. and one. 
Mm-hmm. You have Charlotte at home. You have South Carolina State at home, and then you head to Kentucky. So there's a legitimate shot. You're five and one heading in to take a really good take on a really good Kentucky team. Then you welcome in Texas A&M, play Missouri, Vanderbilt, Florida, Tennessee, and Clemson to finish the year. Yeah, so I could see some... eight wins for South Carolina. Yeah, I could see it. Sure, sure. Not much more than that. Just like Nebraska, so... though, I could see. Eight, nine wins for Nebraska last year because they, listen, they've, they've made some changes on offense. Yeah, right. Adrian Martinez no longer the quarterback. That's still Where's funny. he at? Like, is he's he, at Kansas he, State. Kansas State, that's like, right. That's the thing. I feel like he went to the same program. Like, we talk about offensively and then he like just, took a He took a wrong turn at Target and he's like, oh, crap. Yeah, like he... he Why is everything purple? Yeah, right? Seriously, like, if you think about... It's easy to get lost in the core mazes. kind of the offensive struggle of, of both of those teams of the past four or five years and the kind, of, the kind of offenses they run and whatnot, it's like he's playing for the same team just with different colors on. It's kind of crazy. But I, I like... Nebraska was such a weird team to me last year that like it was always painful to watch. Oh my but god! They made it painful for everybody else too. They made it painful for the other team too. They were always with, within one score. The the best uh, was it Oklahoma. Uh, that one of the best plays from last year is that pick. Yeah, it's late in the game. It's a one score game. And the, yeah, the Oklahoma pick was like Julian Edelman in the Super Bowl. Yeah, just like <laughs> yeah. levitating. It was ridiculous. No reason to catch that football. Like again, like you said, it's a one score game. Nebraska's about to upset Oklahoma, and and they did that to four or five different teams last year. Uh, and if they come away with three of those games, we're looking at them very differently. So, um, yeah, I, I think those are very dangerous to me, though. I feel like you can get stuck in that, and you can go one of two ways. You can take that step and start finishing those games, or you can get stuck in that kind of, oh, we're almost there for too long. And I think South Carolina is probably better prepared, I feel like, with the acquisition of Spencer Radler and I feel like a really solid coaching staff as well to to do that, to take that step and you know finish off some of these games. Like you said, yeah. With a leader there, a quarterback with a you know, one of those I like old I like old Shane Beamer. Uh yeah. the the Thursday ahead of the college football season kicking off, or I guess I shouldn't say that. Ahead of the first full Saturday is the way I've been phrasing it, is really interesting as well. You got West Virginia Pitt which we've spoken about before, is the rematch of the former USC quarterbacks and JT Daniels and Kadan Slovis. Uh, at PJ, do you know the name of the stadium where the Pittsburgh Steelers play football? <laughs> uh, not anymore, no. Forget Cause, that place. Because it lapsed. It's with, gone. It's no longer Heinz. They they literally they took the Heinz bottle down even bunch, like... Bunch of... Not, can't, couldn't even leave the remnant. Bunch right? of jerks. Like, it couldn't be... I know how the sponsors work, whatever. Like, it couldn't be an associate sponsor or something. Like, you really had to take it down. Yeah. yeah anyway. Yeah, but, new, uh, new stadium name, Acrisure Stadium. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> Acrisure. Yeah, Acrisure. That's how, that's how great it is. It's DJ, whatever. can you give me your best, like... But then again, like, so is Acrisure is like, oh, we're going to go play uh, the, the Pittsburgh Panthers this weekend in Acrisure Can you give me your stadium. best, like, Pittsburgh, Pittsburghian... Acrisure? I don't really have a Pittsburghian in my body. Like, I, like, you just didn't mean? Like, mean? Like, Acrisure? Yeah. Like, I don't even know if that's right. That's more like, yeah, I'm not very good at, like, Pittsburgh you go accents. Some irons and head down to Acrisure. <laughs> drink some irons. 
Yins, Yins and everybody mm-hmm. go to Akrashir Stadium. It's not the same as Heinz. Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> that's really you do it really well. I got a bunch. Like, of, how do I you got get a, a I got really a bu- good Pittsburgh accent? I got a bunch of friends from up there, and that's you get a couple <laughs> of irons in them, and that's what they sound like. Uh, but no, I, so again, West Virginia Pitt uh, on that Thursday ahead of the first full Saturday, and then you have PJ. A huge game on Fox at eight o'clock that night. Yeah. Penn State Purdue. Yeah, yeah. Old Nittany Lions and the Boilermakers for sure. And uh, we'll we'll see if by the end of that game, if Sean Clifford is still a quarterback. Uh, that's uh, President Sean Clifford. <laughs> yeah, leading the student union in the Big Ten. Ridiculous. You know how like, nah, that's a whole another topic. But anyway, yeah, it could be an exciting game. I feel like it, it could be one that's down to the wire. Uh, I don't know. It's it's one of those where like Purdue went and upset some people last year and and you know did their thing. Penn State fell apart as the season went on. So like I feel like it'll be a fun opening week game, but by week 5, both of those teams could be like 3 and 2, 2 and 3 and like just forget about them. As heartbreaking as that is to say about, you know, the team I like, but it is what it is. So a uh, fascinating one on the Friday ahead of it. Virginia Tech heads to Old Dominion. Yeah, that is. That is if you, in the not too distant past, Old yeah. Dominion beat Virginia Tech. Right. And now you have to go and play at their stadium. Yeah. Was that our, our good friend? Didn't they upset them at like wasn't that one of the weird ones where Virginia Tech actually went there to Old Dominion and that's where they got the upset? I believe so. That's just so odd. Yes. The monarchs taking them down, and now they're back for more. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's I want to look into like what this contract like. Who has something on someone at Virginia Tech to get them to play at Old Dominion twice in four years? <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. Like that's Sunbelt member Old Dominion now too. By true, the way, true, and no disrespect to like, no disrespect to Appalachian State because I think we all know how how good of a program that is. But it's the same thing when Miami went to App State. But that was just once, right? Like, that was just one home and home. Virginia Tech went there, got beat, and said, you know what? We should do it again. We, we, yeah. we should keep doing this with Old Dominion. I, I probably would have ran away from that as, as fast as I could. I will say this. This week one, not as good as last year's, just in terms of, like, huge marquee games. But I do think there's some extraordinarily interesting games. Like, obviously, the marquee games are the games where you have the Florida States and LSUs, and you have the Georgias and Oregons taking on each other. But last year was wild, right? Just like think of the top two teams. You had Georgia taking on Clemson, yeah, and you had Alabama taking on Miami. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, it, that's probably it. Because I was pretty excited about De'Aaron King. Oh no, last year with like, Miami, but like yeah, last year's week one had so much more hype around it than there this was, year's. Yeah, there was so much more potential, and the only one that really lived up to that potential was um, was Clemson and Georgia. Yeah. And it wasn't a score fest or anything like that, but it was still like exciting as hell. Like oh yeah, it the, was a slugfest. It was one of those the some, two best front sevens in college football. Sometimes I'll say like some of these memories that people have is like man, it was a defensive slugfest. It was great. Sometimes it's not great defense. It's really bad offense. Yeah, that was a that, I, that was a really well played defensive game. Sometimes by both it's two thousand. Sometimes it's two thousand and eight, and the Browns are taking on the Texans on Thursday night <laughs> exactly. football. Exactly. That's not good defense. No, that's terrible offense. And people try and. Use that Sometimes all the time. <laughs> it's 2011 Alabama against 2011 LSU, yeah. where it's just 
sledgehammer the tank, and it's just <laughs> awesome to watch. Hell one yeah. of them makes you sad. The other one is enjoyable to watch. So that, that was that one last year. But I think this one, this year, not the marquee matchups, but like a Utah-Florida? Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. But what I, I want to do yeah. is take a break because I got to figure out why Virginia Tech's playing at Old Dominion twice in four years. Somebody has so to. So we're going we're gonna to take a break. We'll figure that out. We'll let you know next. Also get you ready for three and out. I'm going to call Sean Quinn, our good friend, who's now up at Virginia Tech, and, and figure <laughs> out what the hell is going on. We'll, we'll let you know next. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. All right, you learn something new every day. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have you with us here on this Tuesday afternoon. Once again, you learn something new every day. Apparently way back in 2013, and the way, way back, Virginia Tech and Old Dominion agreed on a long-term home-and-home schedule. This is like the anti-expansion mindset. <laughs> Agreed. Virginia Tech and Old Dominion are going to play every year home and home through 2031. It's insane. 2031, PJ. What? Who? Who and why? Who looked at that and said, yeah, yeah no, you're good. right. This is this is solid. I can't see anyone else we would like to put on our schedule for the foreseeable 15 well, years. Okay, so here's the one thought I have on this is, <laughs> is Norfolk where Old Dominion is, is it a just a recruiting hotbed? And they're like, hey, we're basically going to get another home game every other year. Maybe. They get to recruit uh, that Norfolk area. But Old Dominion, being the savvy jerks that they are, and I say that in like the most complimentary way possible, <laughs> If you want to buy tickets to that game, PJ, you know what you got to do? How much do you have to pay? You got to buy season tickets. Oh, my gosh. Goodness gracious. Come on now. No, I love that. You want to come and pack us out, Hokie Nation? You, you yeah, better be okay. willing to break right. us off. You better be getting ready for several recruiting trips down here because you're getting season tickets, and you're going to use them. Okay, I get that then a little bit. Trying to protect the home turf a little bit with, with the season tickets. So there's a few things. I've seen that uh, Texas Tech did that, so TCU fans couldn't take over their stadium. No, I think it's reverse. TCU did that, so Texas Tech fans can't take over their stadium. Right. Which, I love that. So yeah, if, if you guys want to do that, you're going to have to buy season tickets and, and fund all of our stuff. Which, I mean, not a bad deal. You buy the season tickets if you really want to go to that game, sell them on StubHub. It's fine. Yeah. Three and outs coming up next. B.J. Bennett, Ben Troop, and Kevin Thomas uh, breaking down the Austin-Riley deal as well as just the blockbuster trade sending Juan Soto to San Diego, which I guess is good for the Braves because you don't have to see him in division anymore. Not great for the Braves because you potentially have to see him in the playoffs. Uh, 3.30 will be joined by our good friend Robbie Ross, the voice of Paulson Stadium, Georgia Southern kicking off their fall camp today. We'll get an update from Robbie on that one. Also going to be joined by Gorov Vidak uh, of Battery Power at 5 o'clock. Rich Styles of the Back Nine Boys coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. And then at 5.20, you'll hear from Jason Fitz of ESPN Radio. All that coming up on 3 and Out. If you miss any portion of our show, you can check it out on ESPNCoastal.com.